everyone and welcome back to the Monday Morning Faith Podcast. My name is Emily and today I'm going to be talking about Luke chapter 9 verse 23 which says, and for anyone who wants to follow me they should pick up their cross and die to themselves daily. Um, There's lots of different translations but the main points of Luke 9.23 are that um, God is commanding uh, and inviting it's a command and an invitation in my mind because he's laying out the requirements for if you're going to call yourself a follower, not just a believer, but a follower. And um, because, you know, people get really upset about anything that they think would deter from their salvation. And when you look at John three sixteen, it says, anyone who believes in me, um, anyone who believes in the son, Jesus Christ, will go to heaven. And um, whereas... In Luke 9.23, we see it's different. Jesus is talking about following, not believing. So this is a bit of a... It's not... I don't believe this text is about salvation, Luke 9.23. I believe this is about calling yourself a follower of Jesus. Um, Maybe, so, like, after having a baptism, you would, like... You should probably say you're a follower if you've chosen to get baptized. So this is just Jesus laying out, you know, the requirements for following him. And um, some people might also look at that text and think, hmm... Maybe it was just like Jesus saying that just to that individual, uh, just in that point of time. Um, Plenty of other scholars and myself, who is not a scholar, would tell you that um, I truly feel it's more of a, um, it's one of the generalizations. I mean, we take scripture and generalize it to this day and age all the time. And I think this is no different than that. So Luke 9.23, what are the key points? So God says, whoever wants to follow me, must die to themselves and pick up their cross daily. So, um, yeah, so first thing, it's an invitation to follow. Every single person on earth is invited to follow Jesus. Um, you know, not everyone has heard um, the gospel, not everyone has heard. And once again, this is, once I get through this chunk here, why I'm going to explain it as if I was talking to someone who had never heard anything about Jesus before. But I do want to give a little preface and a background for those of you listening who, who do... Um, who do know the word of God, um, at least a little bit. And then, so basically, um, it's an invitation to follow and everyone's invited to follow. But yeah, some people, you might object and say, well, they've never heard the word of God. Well, um, that's different. Um, That's in God's hands. And I believe that if God uh, wants them to to live their lives as followers, God would uh, give them opportunities for that. um, And it would make the gospel known to them because uh, some people in parts of the world, you know, obviously have no access or it's illegal to be a Christian. Um, so some people have never even heard of Jesus. Um, th- and those people are, are judged and it's weighted differently. And the, uh, the word of God tells us that. I don't have the exact scripture in front of me, but um, we know that those people are, um, they're judged differently than those of us who, uh, who know the word of God and, you know, or who have been um, offered um, up the word of God, we've uh, turned away from it. So, um, all in all, uh, yeah. So that's the main point there that Jesus is inviting us to follow Him. It's an invitation for everyone on earth. Um, so there's no exclusions. There's no requirements, uh, which is so beautiful that our God loves us so much that there is not a single requirement. Uh, you don't have to be good enough. Um, I love this quote from the Passion Conference. I forget who said it, but it's not about you. It's about King Jesus. And it's so true. Um, following him, it's it's not that you have to be good enough because it's not about you. It's about, like, our Lord and Savior. Um, and then we also see um, that Jesus says he asks us to pick up our cross 
which is like, whoo, that's a lot. Um, because, well, Jesus obviously died on the cross for us. So to refer back to it and say, um, pick up your cross, that's like a bit heavy. Obviously, it's not a popular message, but um, some commentary I've read and my um, personal belief on that message would be that Jesus' other main point is to is to pick up the mission, to like do what God is telling you to do. Um, to pick up your cross is to try and be Christ-like, and that comes with burdens. It's heavy like a cross on your back. It comes with ramifications that might not be desirable at all times, but the benefit of having a relationship with God um, is obviously way better. Um, and so following him, having a close relationship with him is better than the burden and the back pain of carrying a cross. And once again, that cross being anything that's, um, you know, the weight that comes with trying to um, live like Jesus did, because we know we're going to fall short. Everyone falls short of the gospel. Everyone falls short of um, Jesus um, here on earth. He was perfect half, you know, or sorry, I shouldn't give a percentage because scholars still debate that whether he was half man or half God or what percentage is which. So anyways, he was partially human, partially God. And so, um, you know, what percentages of that, I, I'm not going to even claim to know. But when God, you know, take, he, sorry, when God basically asks us to take up his cross, it's, it's a burden in a good way because there's, yeah, there's going to be things that come with that. But um, the burden is never one we should be placing on ourselves. Sometimes a burden comes with, you know, if you're evangelizing to a coworker and you're inviting them to church and they slam the door in your face, I mean, that might well happen. Like, that's the burden. But the burden isn't that you're supposed to go home after doing that and, and like, ridicule yourself for the way you said things. And, you know, unless God's convicting you, of course. But you're not supposed to beat up on yourself. And the burden shouldn't, you know, come from you. When God says, um, pick up your cross, the burden and pain that comes with that should never be um, a deterioration of ourselves, of our own mind. We could think of that as anxiety and depression in a way when we... Um, you know, sometimes those things are chemical and not of our, uh, you know, we have less control over it, but sometimes, you know, we get to have more control over our thoughts or we experience lack of control of our thoughts. Either way, there's an optionality for control. So when we're able to take a hold and not let ourselves go to that place where we're beating ourselves up, then that's exactly what Jesus would want us to do. He doesn't want you to insult yourself. He made you. You are, um, wonderfully made we know that full well that's in the psalms uh psalm 139 um and so he would never want you to insult yourself but that burden once again not supposed to come from yourself but there are burdens that come with bearing a cross there are consequences that come with bearing a cross um but as i'll get to they certainly don't outweigh the reward um so yeah so main points so far is um Jesus' invitation to follow, command to pick up your cross, and then to die to yourself daily. And then there's also an and between pick up your cross and die to yourself daily, so it's kind of like the same point. So you pick up your cross daily as well, but you also die to yourself. And so what that means when you put it in conjunction, so picking up the cross and dying to yourself daily, what it basically means is completely yielding your life to God and God's command. And a lot of people freak out when you might hear something like that, because they're thinking to themselves, oh my gosh, like, I'm, 
you know, going to be forced to do all these things I don't want to do, and I I'm scared I won't be able to keep all these rules, and XYZ, but that's just simply not what it is. Um, you know, picking up your cross and dying to yourself daily is when you're at the mall with your friends, and you see a homeless man um, sitting outside, and then you and your friends decide to go to the cafeteria. So you get like an extra side of fries at the cafeteria and then you go give it to the homeless man because God put that on your heart to do that. That's dying to yourself daily. Now, what does that take away from you? Um, time and money primarily. And yeah, I guess it's an, you could look at it as an, as an inconvenience or you could look at it as continuing God's work here on earth. I love this quote that sometimes that we are the only Bibles that someone is ever going to read. Um, and so a lot of people will go their whole lives without ever picking up a Bible, but if you're representing Christ, and trust me, that is the best, um, cross to pick up and bear, um, and to represent Christ and to try your very best, um, it's all you really have to do. It's not about works and, you know, being good enough and, but it's like when we do these things and yield to God, there's a happiness and a joy and a contentment that surpasses all understanding, surpasses all understanding. That's why people um, do those things. It's because it produces a joy um, that is so deep. And so um, not of this world, not of this dimension, it's only from the Lord himself, the spirit that resides in all of us. So when we look at that, we see how um, God gives us these opportunities, um, these opportunities to do good, to feel good, to see good, and to see all of God in that process. I think it's Psalm 37, I could be wrong, but Psalm 37 says, um, take heart, um, oh, what is it? No, it's, be sure of this, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart, and wait for the Lord. Yes, that's what it is. That's a section from Psalm 37, but the main part I want to draw on there is when it says um, that um, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And I'm going to say that again because it's just so beautiful. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And that is so amazing in every way because um, it's discouraging sometimes to, yeah, picture what does yielding to God look like? what is that? What does that look like lived out? Like, what happens when I don't yield to God? Is he gonna, like, am I a failure? Am I horrible? Am I evil? Am I cast out from his presence? Am I unsaved? No, you're none of those things. That's not biblical. Um, you know, we all make mistakes. We all sin. Um, I mean, how many times in my life have I thought about picking up another drink, um, filling, refilling my glass of alcohol, and I know God is saying not to have that another drink, but I choose not to yield to him and I drink it anyways. Um, and I'm talking about in excess at this point. And so, yes, that's sinful. Um, we're called to be sober mind, sober thought. I talk about alcohol a lot on here, but that's because I think it's probably my most relatable uh, sin or idol that I've struggled with for a long time. So I want to be honest about that. And um, maybe it's a good example um, for either idols or sins that you personally struggle with in your life. Um, and also to let you know that, um, yeah, I'm definitely not perfect. And these are all things I always work at too. Um, and I'm 
just learning alongside you guys. Um, and so, yeah, when yielding to God, it looks like trying your best. And I think it's only when you've tried your best that you feel good. You can really walk away feeling good. And yeah, sometimes our best is going to fall short. Um, and that's definitely not to make excuses. Because um, we don't need to, like, when we say, oh, well, I'm trying to lose weight. I'm, I'm trying to get a job. It's like, no, I'm, you should just say I'm losing weight. I'm getting a job because it's not just that you're trying, you're going to go do it. Um, and sometimes with our sin, we need to talk that way. Like some people say, I'm just really trying to quit porn. It's like, quit porn, throw your phone in under your bed for a week. I don't know. Like there's like, it's, I'm not trying to make light of how difficult, insanely difficult and crippling it can be to quit a certain sin or idol in your life. Once again, to define idol, it means anything that is um, placed above God that you turn to instead of God um, in your life. And that can be a boyfriend, it could be porn, it could be um, it could be a parent, it could be um, alcohol, drugs, um, lying, gossiping, like literally anything that's, you know, we know to be wrong from the Lord's word. And then we choose to do it anyways. Um, and then we choose to, yeah, once again, place it above God and turn to it instead of God. So that's just a quick definition on idolatry. And I know I've defined it before, but I always try and mention it just in case someone's listening for the first time um, or has maybe never heard of that before. Um, and it never helps to have a good reminder because some people have a lot of shame and guilt and myself included when you start talking about idols and sin. But, you know, a deep seated guilt and shame comes from the enemy to keep us in our sin. It's not from God. That's also a point I've talked about before. So I'll move on. But I'm just saying, um, yielding to God doesn't look like sitting in a corner in your room crying because you're not good enough. That's quite literally the opposite. It's saying, God, I love you so much. You are above everything else in my life. So what do you want to do with me today? And how can I serve you? What would that look like? And then just praying as well that God, would you show me exactly who I need to be in this moment? God, would you show me exactly what you'd like me to do in this moment? And sometimes what God's asking you to do in that moment is be silent. And that's a, like, that is like my least favorite command from God. Because I would feel like you guys would maybe understand that most people who would be comfortable enough to, you know, record a podcast probably like talking enough to do that. And so my like least favorite thing to do is probably to be quiet. So when God, when, when part of yielding to God for me involves being quiet, that is like not my favorite task, not my favorite thing to do, but it's saying, God, who do you need me to be in this moment? And that doesn't, I think people also think that that looks like just like this awful suffering and it doesn't like my mom recently had a word from God saying that, um, he wanted her to just, um, for, uh, lack of a better word, because I don't remember it fully, but just enjoy the view of life and just take this season to to rest and just um, take it all in. Um, and so, you know, it doesn't always look like yielding to God is this awful suffering. You know, I had a good word from God as I switched semesters between fall and spring this year. And um, in the fall, I just, you know, worked myself weary, um, kind of was keeping up with the whole hustle culture thing of just like 
how many, like, and the competition of how many hours do you work a day? Oh, I work X amount of hours a day. Like, I study for X amount of day, like, hours a day. And it's just, like, you know, this kind of, like, crazy, like, crazy, like, all-consuming thing where it was, like, yeah, like, I would make time for God in the morning. But then it was, like, the rest of the day, like, there was no room for him to be part of my life because I was overworking myself beyond what God would have ever designed for us. And I don't even, like, I've tried to, <laughs> I've even tried to ask pastors, like, if they think that the 40-hour the work week is designed, um, like, as too much, like, is that overworking ourselves or is that underworking ourselves? And I'm curious as to how God feels about that. And I don't have all the answers, of course, but I do feel that God will tell each and every one of us um, according to our own relationship with him. And he will show us and reveal to us uh, what he wants from us in that area of overworking ourselves. Um, But to get back to my point, the whole thing um, I was experiencing um, and that God was showing me was that um, he didn't want me to, you know, be, I kept hearing the word haggard woman. And that like, when I am working like 16 hours a day, I'm haggard. I'm not brushing my hair, not brushing my teeth. You, I know, I'm sorry. But, um, you know, I'm not making time for friends and family. I'm not, you know, prioritizing my well-being in the sense that it's like, you know, I can't even make time to wash my body. Like, um, you know, it's not like, that's not God's calling for us is to be, and we go through seasons sometimes where like, yeah, we do have to like pedal to the metal for a little bit, but that's, you know, pray about that if, you know, is that even what God's calling you to do in that season? Um, but it's certainly not a way of life that God wants for us to adopt, to be so worn down and weary that we're haggard. And he says, come to me, all you um, weary and um, heavy burdened and come to me for my yoke is easy. My burden is light. And so he offers us this, you know, peaceful rest that like, um, once you experience, I mean, it and I hope you have, I really do. And if you haven't, definitely pray for that. Yeah, like, I think it's free to everyone because that scripture from Matthew, it's just like, you know, it's not like just for one person. That's an offer to all, to all who love him. Um, so we just got to keep pressing on and trusting him with those things. But it, yeah, it does go to show that um, some God is not always going to command you to do like incredibly like, challenging awful things like there are so many moments of joy and rejoicing in picking up your cross and dying to yourself daily there's so many moments of joy in that it's not like this um it's it's a balanced approach is what it is it's saying that there is going to be suffering in bearing your cross but and dying to yourself daily but there's you get to follow jesus and as a part of following jesus is he he relieves us like i just said from our burdens and our weariness um and so many so many other promises i mean i could would have to speak for 24 hours if i was to list them all which i won't don't worry but it's like um just the promises he has for us shows us all the ways in which um he's there for us and um ultimately when he asked me to not be like a haggard woman it was to give me rest. And so now I'm, for the first time in my life, the first time in my life, I've taken a much more balanced approach um, between times of rest and times of work. In fact, I'm probably taking too much rest. Um, 
So I'm just struggling with balance. I've always struggled with it. Um, but I will look to the Lord with it, and I hope you will too. If if balance is something you're struggling with in your life as well, that um, God would make a way for you to have peace, um, and uh, construct a timetable that um, allows you, um, yeah, the peace of w- which only God can bring, um, and that you would make room and invite Him in as much as you can. I mean, uh, when I said the whole thing about doing schoolwork for sixteen hours a day and not being able to invite God in, it's like, yeah, like I, that's not saying you can't make time to invite God in that process, you actually can, um, it's just an, like, if you would like to view it as an interruption, or I would rather view it, like, as a break, um, cause yeah, like, in a lecture, let's say you're in a three-hour lecture hall, or you're working an eight-hour shift at work, um, and it's like, you have tap, you have to listen, you have to be obedient to your instructor, you have to, um, focus on the tasks at hand, um, and remember what you're doing, and that doesn't always leave a lot of room to, you know, have Jesus on your mind. But it's, like, one of those things where it's, like, um, think about it this way. It's, like, a good news, bad news situation. It's, like, if I get good news where I got, like, an email at work saying, oh, fantastic job on the pitch. Or I get good news in the classroom. Oh, you got a great grade on your um, your exam. It's, like, take that 30 seconds to just say, God, I thank you for your hand in this. God, I thank you for the strength and um, knowledge and wisdom you gave me that I was able to uh, to have that performance. I recognize um, your hand in the situation and that all of this doesn't just come from me and my own human strength, but that you give me good gifts, God, and they are from you. Apart from you, God, there is no good thing, says uh, Psalm 16, 2, I think. Um, yeah, apart from you, God, there is no good thing. So we can take those 30 seconds and look to him and praise him. And, you know, not everyone has always positive experience at work and school. You know, there's difficult moments, coworkers and bosses saying hurtful things, or, you know, you're really frustrated with the content of the class. Not a lot of people, and including myself, would take that second to say, God, just help me with this. I, you know, sometimes we react in such a um, angry and sad and upset uh, way because it's a human nature, of course. But we have to fight that because with that comes misery and anger that is deeply seated within us that we ruminate on, which means to feel the effects of and keep thinking about for hours and hours and days and days and months and months. And hopefully not, but years and years as possible too. And so it's just like, um, if we can take 30 seconds before reacting, before um, once we start to feel an emotion flood in, uh, good or bad, like I'm saying, good news, bad news, um, you know, if you're sitting in, if you're getting instruction at school or at work and you feel so out of your element and you're starting to start telling yourself negative thoughts about yourself that you're so stupid and you're not educated enough for this and etc. etc. and you're telling yourself all these lies and you start comparing yourself to the other students and co-workers in the room, it's like before you even get down that path, and even if you have, it's not too late, just stop and say, God, I am struggling. I know you can see my heart and my thoughts. And can you just see that your child, your daughter or son, uh, whichever you are, it's, I'm struggling with this. God, as your child, I, I'm really finding it hard not to beat myself up right now. I'm finding it hard not to compare myself. And God, I just need your help. I need your understanding. Can you help me understand the situation? Would you make known to me 
um, the things that I don't understand. And will you guide me through this? And that doesn't just go for that situation where you um, didn't understand something. That can go for all negative situations, you know. Um, I love this um, quote that my church said about gentleness. That gentleness is human strength under control. I don't want to say it again because it's so good, but human, sorry, gentleness is human strength under control. And I just adore that with everything I have because um, gentleness is um, something I've always kind of looked at as something oh, only like the shy kids really had. I didn't ever really view myself as gentle, but I'm working on it now because I'm kind of like, yeah, like, you know, as humans, we have like um, a great strength that is nowhere as great as the Lord's, of course, but we have a strength in us and we have the propensity to tear down or build up. That's also scriptural. Um, And so when we choose to be gentle um, and gentle to ourselves, I know that's a bit of a new agey, like uh, Pinteresty type thing. But gentleness to ourself, so once again, I'm admitting this, that part there is not biblical, being gentle to yourself. Although I would think that Jesus would certainly want you to based on other scripture. Um, it's just not said quite like that. Um, is that like, you know, we need to keep our strength under control. We have the propensity to tear ourselves down so bad that we are struggling to get back up because we've insulted ourselves and hurt ourselves and beat ourselves up mentally. It's like, we need to be gentle into ourselves. But that goes for the same thing when a coworker, you know, says some awful snide comment or does something backhanded. It's like, um, you, or a teacher's being rude, or like X, Y, Z. It's just like, you know, we have the propensity to, to say hurtful things back to them, to do hurtful actions, you know, to not forgive, to um, hold on to resentment and, you know, all these things. And it's like, if we just take that opportunity to go to the Lord with it, then he will bring us um, fruit, I think, out of that. And it's like a growth thing. It's like, yeah, a well-watered garden. It's like God's giving us the water um, and it's going to produce some fruit because when you turn to him in those moments, I mean, it's not always going to be, like sometimes, and I think the more you do it, the more it will become like the magical cure. And you're just like, wow, I've been living my life for this long. And all I have to do is catch myself starting to be upset. And I can just intervene. And I can do that myself. And I can just make that one step. And if I make that one step, God will meet me there. But we have to take that step more often than not. Because, yes, God can do whatever he wants. Don't get me wrong. He could, you know, make you feel better without you asking him to. I'm sure he does it all the time. But if we're not feeling good and we just recognize it, quickly jump on it and we say god can you just meet me here god will always meet us he hears all of our prayers and um he's our rescuer our deliverer our fortress our shield and all those terms just mean i mean he's there with us that's what emmanuel means he's with us and that means there's nothing we can do to separate ourselves from him um and but we have to invite him in that's our part our part is saying God, I know you're always with me, but instead of ignoring you and trying to do this on my own, trying to feel better on my own by thinking all these angry thoughts, which feel a little cathartic and gives me some release, and it makes me feel good temporarily when I'm venting about it to my family or my coworkers um, or my boyfriend, but rather I'm going to trust you with it. Rather, I'm going to turn to you with it. God, I give you this. I lay it at the cross. I lay it at the altar. God, this is yours. And... Um, 
I mean, inviting him in will always prevail because um, his strength is bigger than anything we could ever imagine. Um, slightly that tangent was off track, I'll be honest. But anyways, getting back to Luke 9.23. Um, dying to ourselves daily. Um, basically, other translations say, like, forgoing your own, like, desires type thing. And that gets back to my example with the girl at the mall going to the food court with her friends and then choosing to get something um, for the homeless man outside. Um, I've never done that, actually. And as I'm saying this, I really wish I have because I've had, like, hundreds and thousands of opportunities to do that. And imagine how much I could change someone's life by doing that. Um, Like, I'm not saying, like, you know, everything's going to be fine for them. Like, you know, like a thing of fries, you know, fixes all homeless people's problems that's not true but you never know what a seed planted like that can do you never know the effect that will have on your friends that are you're with you'll never know the effect that'll have on everyone watching nearby you'll never know the effect that'll have on the person you're um helping the homeless person and what that might inspire them to do next um because those are like the origin stories of those you know, stories we hear where it's like, wow, that amazing thing happened all because someone did something so small. It's like, yeah, that's God for you. He uses us, but he can't use us if we're not willing to be used. So like I was saying earlier, ah, now I'm going to tie it in. It's like, you have to invite him in because, um, you can pick up the cross and you can walk around with it all day long. But if you're not, um, dying to yourself, if you're not saying, God, have your way, have your will, um, I forgo my own, um, and saying, God, I submit, what would you like me to do in today? Like I said earlier, who can I be in this moment? Who would you like me to be in this moment? What would you like me to do? What would you like me to say? Where would you like me to go? Um, what's got my name on it, God? What have you prepared for me? What gifts, what talents, what treasures have you given me to help me through this moment? Have you given me the gift of evangelism? Have you given me the gift of hospitality have you given me the gift of um of um oh what's the one anyways um yeah there's just so many gifts that god gives us and they don't always have to be you know um the big fancy gifts like you know um like speaking in tongues has got a lot of attention these last days um last few years in the media for sure but the last few decades you could even say but ultimately God gives each of us gifts. Sometimes it's the gift of faith, the gift of healing, the gift of grace. You know, there's, we try to measure them, big and great alike. And even Paul says, desire the greater gifts when he's talking about prophecy, which is like, you could say it's like having a word for someone or, you know, predict, like not predicting the future, but like sort of like that. Anyways, I still have to film my other next, like one of my next podcasts on prophecy. So that's coming. But anyways, you can Google it if you want. But, you know, it's just like God gives us so many gifts, so many talents. Um, you know, are you, can you do hair? Can you, um, are you a soccer player? Are you um, skilled with numbers? Are you skilled with people? Are you good with children? What has God given you? What are your talents? Um, can you read? Can you write? Um, do you draw? Do you do art? Um, are you good with electronics? Like what talents has God given you that you can say, God, you've given me this but I'm going to give it right back to you. How can I use this for you and your kingdom? How can I do this for a good work? Because so I'll, like, once again, I can paint my own painting the way I've thought it out in my head. And I can, you know, go to work, um, 
and choose what IT company I'm going to work at uh, based on my own deciding factors. Or I can say, God, I can paint. What do you want me to paint today? Um, and you can say, God, I'm really good with computers. Um, what would you like me to do with that skill? And how can you help me use this talent um, as provision for my family, um, for an income? You know, like, we got to yield the talents too. And you have talents. If you don't think you have talents, God is telling you that you have talents. And he's willing to reveal them to you. you all you have to do is ask. And he's giving you these things um, to encourage you, to strengthen you, to show you that he has made you beautifully and wonderfully made. That will always be such an amazing encouragement to know that he knits you in your mother's womb. He made you perfectly the way you are. Um, he gave you that height for basketball. He gave you um, that brain for um, algorithms, you know? It's like, you know, he wants you to, to know that you have talent. Everyone's got talent. Um, and if you haven't found yours yet, like I said, pray over that. Ask other people to pray over that. Even ask other people. Hmm, do you know, do you think I have any talents? Like, you know? Um, and just explore it. Maybe it's even just an eye for color. Like, people don't realize how, like, many little things we dismiss about ourselves. But it's like, God made you that way. Do you understand the, like, the power of, um... Here, I'm going to take that example. It is such a little thing. Let's say you're someone who's good with color. Let's say a woman who has suffered years of um, an injury and as a result, she has put on so much weight that she beats herself up every day, feels worthless, um, and just hates the way she looks and has had the lowest self-esteem over this and it has haunted her and taunted her for so long. And you're working in a boutique and you happen to have a vision for color and God has happened to give you that gift. And you're able to put an outfit together that complements her body shape and makes her feel so beautiful. Do you not understand what a gift that is? What a gift it is to lift someone up like that? To show them their inner beauty? To show them their outer beauty that God has given them? It's like... Um, and all that is is someone having a gift with color, like that example. And, you know, so don't dismiss the small things you're good at. But rather, like I said, die to yourself daily. Say, God, not me, but you. Show me how not me, but you can use this. God, let me use what you've given me for good and for the good of your people. So all in all, that's an overview of Luke uh, chapter 9, verse 23. I think this verse is really important to the call. Um, that Jesus has for us, for each of us, and not just to believe, but to really follow um, in depth. And I hope we got a good look at it today in the point where it wouldn't be scary, that call, but it would be a excitement and a joy to have such a beautiful invitation. Um, and yes, it carries weight, just like the cross does, but there's also a, a joy, a joy in the following. And so I hope that inspires you guys to uh, look at this with a new, uh, refreshed perspective. And I hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your day. I'll see you guys next time.